As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to another episode of The Athletic Soccer Show. My name is Jeff Reuter, and today I am joined by a very special guest that you probably know under a different name, but uh, we'll call him by his birth name anyway. He is, of course, a very notable, prominent figure in the soccer community who does not play the game, does not uh, non-fictionally coach the game anyway, but nevertheless is probably one of the most recognizable faces in the sport in the country at this point. He's an Arsenal fan. He's an all-around good dude. We've got Brendan Hunt from Ted Lasso here. Thank you very much for your time. How's everything today? Uh, it's going all right, Jeff. Um, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. I mean, you've been on this this huge press junket. Uh, you've been doing some great work, some great interviews with some of our writers uh, and many others talking about season three of Ted Lasso, which has come out now. Um, but I think overall first, you know, you're getting a lot of questions about your Arsenal fandom, about your feelings about the English pyramid, of course, how would AFC Richmond fare in the first division, the second division, whatever. But um, how would you describe your kind of feelings about soccer in the United States as a whole? Do you have a team that you gravitate towards? Do you follow the domestic leagues too much? Yeah, so in terms of me and domestic soccer, when I was a kid, uh, the Chicago Sting existed in the NASL, and no one ever once in my entire life said, hey, let's go to a Sting game. Um, <laughs> but I still love the uniforms, and I have, you know, I have a, my retro shirt. Um, and then, uh, obviously, that all went away, and then the Chicago Fire started in my last year in Chicago before I uh, moved to uh, Amsterdam. Um, and I never went to one of their games either. Uh, and they won the title in their first year. Uh, right. But, you know, but I was aware of the name Bob Bradley and I was aware of the name DeMarcus Beasley. And also I was aware that they had the best kits, maybe in all of professional sports. Those first fire kits were amazing. And why anyone would ever want to rebrand that, I just don't understand anything. Um, <laughs> That's um, why the kids call stuff fire, by the way. They're, they're actually just referring to the inaugural Chicago Fire kits. <laughs> That's where it comes from. They yeah. mean fire, fire level. Fire right. level quality. Exactly. Um, 1998. <laughs> such good kids. What a fucking great crest. Anywho. Um, then, um, yeah, when I came back from Amsterdam, uh, LA Galaxy um, were, you know, well underway. 
Um, and I went to a few of those games. And when that was the closest club, like you didn't think twice about the fact that it's actually super far from, uh, <laughs> from, where, from where I was living. Um, <clears throat> uh, but I would go to a few games here and there. And I even had, you know, I think I was able to afford half season tickets one sure. year. Um, yeah. And, um, you know, definitely enjoyed, you know, seeing, you know, a few games of, uh, of Beckham and you know, a little more, a little, little more Lando and a lot more Robbie Keane, who That's I right. love. Um, but when LAFC happened, it's like, oh, well, it's right there. They're, they're right there. <laughs> and, uh, and Will Ferrell's there. Well, Will, Will Ferrell's there. Um, and uh, it was like, fuck it. I think I got to go to these. I got to at least go check it out. And, like, the atmosphere was on point. The stadium is better. You know. Um, and uh, I bet LA Galaxy is going to, you know, when, when the neighbors get noisy, you have to, like, adjust and at yeah. some point, LA Galaxy is going to have a new stadium and uh, some new stuff. Um, but at the moment, uh, LAFC is just a better experience and everything. But um, I think um, I think you know, LAFC is now my my one team I support. Because here's the thing: like growing up in Chicago, I can't support the Dodgers. I can't support right. the Lakers or the Rams. No, 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 no. no. Um, but since my childhood team that I never went to a game of didn't doesn't exist, and, uh, <laughs> and and Chicago Fire has already you know trod upon what few memories I have of them with this ridiculous rebrand. Oh God! Just put a Cubs logo on there if that's what you're gonna do. And might as well. Yeah. Um, might as well. Uh, I wish them the best. Um, I, I want to have my one local team that I yeah. that I support. I mean, I, I, this is home. I do live here. And uh, it's it would be a I'd be, I'd be a real a real dick if every single team that played in here was like no 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 I'm not from here no right let me, let me, give me one so yeah. but LA isn't that so interesting though yeah. I mean like how you know in, in the United States with leagues coming and going over the decades and teams coming and going within those leagues every single year you know just it, it feels like there isn't that same sort of like you know I grew up in this town, this town is older than my grandparents. I have to follow this club. I don't really have a choice. And if I don't, I'm going to be shunned by the rest of my friends. Right. You know, there, there really isn't that same sort of feel just yet that sort of hyper local feel, I guess, especially once you get outside of these markets that have MLS, USL and WSL teams. Um, you know, how is, how is that feeling? You know, just being able to, to feel closer connected to a team in LA than, you know, the team in Chicago rebrand and all. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that that's definitely relative to where you're from and how old you are. You know, mm. um, I think a uh, a 15 year old in Portland probably feels like the Timbers have been around for as long as Manchester United. You know, um, yeah. and uh, and you know, you never remember, you never remember the the that you know the moment you became a fan of something, there was something before that, and you could have you could have just missed it. You know, like I'm, I became an Arsenal fan in 99 and um, <clears throat> that's when, you know, man, you were marauding toward the treble. Um, so it really felt like, oh, that man, you, no one can beat them. Little did I know. No, Arsenal had just won the double the year before. Like I, I didn't I didn't know that. You never know the history of right before. It just feels like the moment that you walked in has been the moment forever. So sure. so if you are 
if you are a nine-year-old right now waking up in St. Louis going, you know, I like soccer. Do we have a soccer team? Yes. St. Louis United forever! You know, like there's no way you can't comprehend that it wasn't there two months ago. You know? Right. Yeah. Also, are they called St. Louis United or St. Louis City? or City, uh, City, City. But I like the idea that someday there will be a St. Louis United and they'll have a, a big, oh. maybe someday it'll be big enough. Oh, the St. Louis Derby. Oh. Can you imagine? Yeah, you have the, uh, the like fried... Uh, what are those called? The, the, the fried like cheese bites. What do they have? It's it's not uh, ravioli. It's fried ravioli. Yeah, you'll have the fried ravioli section on one side, the barbecue section on the other side, and they just, you know, you that's how you choose them, it. That's this you this a plank you're walking down. I I, I wish you up. <laughs> yeah, it's a not a bad plank if it's just the Mississippi River. I think I can maybe handle that or find a raft or something. I, oh, I think overall, I mean. There, there have been clips, obviously, of the cast at the White House recently, and, and there have been a tremendous amount of appearances both in soccer and in just greater society since the show has taken off. How do you feel about the role that Ted Lasso, the show, has had on soccer, soccer fandom, the way that casual sports fans or not even sports fans at all kind of mm-hmm. perceive soccer to be in the United States? Um, <clears throat> I hope it never gets overstated because it would – I don't want it to be – you know, thought or even implied that like, wow, no one in America liked soccer before Ted Lasso, because that is, of course, not true. You know, we've had um, we've had a, uh, a beating drum of fandom going back decades. It just has not been able to compete with the amount of people who are liking other things. So <clears throat> we didn't we didn't get people into it. But <clears throat> but we are getting it into more people's TVs, you know, people who are like, I'm never going to watch a soccer game. Well, OK, I watch this show. And now, haha, we tricked you. Soccer is on your TV. And uh, we made you care about a team. We've shown you that it's possible to care about a team. And once that flitch is slipped, oh, oh, oh. switch is slipped. I like it. That... <laughs> <laughs> once that switch is flipped, maybe there's no turning back. Um, and uh, yeah, like if anything, you know, maybe we've got the people who were like, you know, on the fence. Maybe just, you know, you know guys, people were on the fence. We pushed them over to the, to the correct side or, or, or pull them over to the right side. Um, um, but uh, the way that the way that U.S. soccer and MLS have uh, you know responded to us, reached out to us, it sure feels like they know something we don't because they're they are they are very happy we're around and um, and I'm not uh, I'm not going to poke around too much and, and ask exactly how or why that is. Um, <laughs> but if 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 we are helping in some way, then uh, I'm glad for that. There's, there's an interesting kind of dialogue going on. I don't know if you followed it among especially American coaches in Major League Soccer and, and how they feel they're being perceived. You have one side that's saying, you know, it's, it's a fictional TV show, which it is, you know, to go to your point of not trying to overstate it necessarily and saying, I don't think anyone would look and say this character who is supposed to be a college football coach now coaching soccer doesn't run remotely parallel to what our job is. There's another side that says that because that is essentially the most prominent American soccer coach to a lot of people who don't follow the sport that that it changes the way that they perceive the role or an American in the role. And of course, you have Jesse Marsh and Bob Bradley with relatively short stints in the Premier League as well. How do you feel about that whole thing? I mean, first of all, the fact that your show can start that among people who do this for a living. But but second, just that whole kind of perception of Americans coaching. Yeah, well, I mean, I think. If there is a stereotype against American coaches that exists, you know, in the halls of various European boardrooms. Um, 
It's not because of Ted Lasso, guys. <laughs> it started. <laughs> it started a long ass time ago, and it's because of um, it's because of Jerry Springer as much as it is of anything else. Um, you know, we we are not the first bit of American culture they have ever seen, um, and we are not the first Americans they've ever had conversations with. And they've talked to so many Americans who've come to visit them, who want to take pictures at their various tourist sites, um, who don't know, you know who we know anything about soccer at all and who keep calling it soccer and uh, wouldn't know, you know, Diego Maradona from Lothar Mateus. This is, this is the stuff that American coaches have against them um, yeah. and players too, really. So I definitely lean on the side of, yeah, it's, <laughs> we are not showing an American soccer coach who is a bumbling American soccer coach. That is, that is not the case. We are showing a, uh, a, a charming, uh, naive American, we are playing upon the stereotypes that already existed, um, and in which there's a modicum, you know, in which there's a, you know, a yeah, modicum of truth. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I can't say that we're doing so much harm, particularly, and also like Bob Bradley pre pre existed the show, um, mm -hmm. and then Jesse Marsh got hired after the show had been on for two seasons, so. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure we're the ones who are causing any problems right now. And most importantly, we are, we root so hard for every uh, American coach, you know, um, uh, our man at Stuttgart. Is he, is he still there? Is he still there? What's his name? Mm. I believe so. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's He's a, got the it's super Italian sounding name. Yeah. It's um, one of those beautiful names that you just don't want to get wrong because you're going to accidentally call yeah. him a Meshuggah or something. Yeah. So like, give, me, yeah. give me a second here. <laughs> like keeping an eye on him, you know, keep rooting for David Wagner, even if yep. he's only, uh, you know, American with an asterisk. Um, <laughs> like we, uh, we went to, you know, Jason and I got invited by Virgil van Dyke to go to Liverpool for a game. And it happened to be a game against Leeds. Um, Leeds scored in the first minute and the 92nd minute you know, or so ish um, to win that game. Um, so, so we were, we were bad luck for Liverpool. That was Virgil van Dyke's first ever home loss at Anfield, I believe. Maybe the right. first home yeah. league loss. Um, yeah. So the track record shows we are good for Americans <laughs> based on that alone. <laughs> I think that uh, that checks out. And the name we were looking for, by the way, Pellegrino Matarazzo. Pellegrino, Pellegrino. Matarazzo. I mean, just gosh. Oh, boy. Sometimes you just really appreciate America. <laughs> when, you, when you think of American soccer, you often think of men named Pellegrino Matarazzo <laughs> running around. <laughs> we have a guy named David Wagner who's actually German and a guy named Pellegrino <laughs> Matarazzo who's actually American. All right. right. Thank Figure you. that one out. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. 
Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer, if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is supported by Season 3 of FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League 2 after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the city's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher division. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenges and rise again into League 1? FX is welcome to Wrexham. Catch all new episodes Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Uh, you know, when, when we do talk about American coaches, we also talk about Greg Berhalter these days a lot. Um, you know, there's been a lot going on for the United States men's national team over the last year. Of course, there's the World Cup showing, losing to a team in orange like you're donning um, in the round of 16. Uh, and then also, of course, all of this aftermath that has happened with the program in terms of, a, you know, a potential coaching change, but also some some family drama that has seeped into the program. You also have another World Cup coming up with the women's side. Um, you know, who's going to be one of the front runners to win in Australia and New Zealand this summer. Um, how do the national team sit with you? Is this, are those programs that you follow closely? Uh, to different degrees. I follow the, um, I follow the men's team more closely than the women's team um, uh, for at least two reasons and maybe a third. Um, first one being um, they haven't won the thing yet, you know? And so like when they haven't won the thing, you yearn for that for that so much, you know. Yeah. Um, so, um, and and their matches, therefore, in, in like you know qualification for things tend to be more competitive and you know more like can we do this? Can we do this? Um, yeah. And uh, the women's side are so good <laughs> that you know getting there is is rarely the issue. It's just you know the actual Olympics or World Cups uh, themselves. Uh, so that's one reason. Another reason is I've just been like cognizant of the men's team for longer. Um, because of, you know, the sort of fraction of time that I gave the 94 World Cup when I didn't quite understand what's happening, but I got that it was important. And then by 99 or 2000 in Amsterdam, um, I met uh, John O'Brien, who um, played for Ajax, but was a, uh, you know, a stalwart of the men's national team. So then that made, that made the men's national team, like, personal, you know? Yeah. Um, so there's definitely those two sort of more concrete reasons. The third is probably that I um, am uh, at heart a sexist, uh, and I have to I have to try to improve as a person um, yeah. because I, I yeah I just I make more t- I naturally make time for the men's team and I have to like decide to make time for the women's team and that is a flaw in my character but I just want to be honest. So but the women's World Cup's coming up I can't wait let's fucking do it. You know, yeah, it's gonna be great. I can't believe they're playing in New Zealand so much instead of Australia. Yeah, yeah. Anyhow, um, so a lot of land that Peter Jackson has ceded over the last twenty years that just needed stadiums built or something. Who knows? Yeah, Um, Yeah. I've only uh, I've only been to two um, uh, women's team games. One was a game in LA um, where they played Belgium. That was when um, you know Natalie Portman and. and Jennifer Garner and, and uh, uh, Kerry Washington, and then a fourth person, you know, like had their first like sort of equal pay demonstration. Um, right. And then it was at Wembley last year when they played England, um, which was just Thank a massive you. and awesome, awesome event. Um, so I'm my my getting behind of the women team is uh, like is only increasing with the years, and like 
I still haven't ruled out going to uh, to New Zealand this year. Yeah. Um, if I can, I def you know having been to a couple of men's World Cups, I definitely want to get to a women's one at some point. Um, but but yeah, I'm more I'm uh, I'm I'm into the men's team on a more granular level, but um, but uh, I'm behind the women's team too. I think that there's something interesting with the show as well, because there is still that, you know, for the fact it is a men's football club, there is still that, you know, focus on women involved with the club and that, that sort of, you know, deference to ensure that, you know, okay, the, the idea that the owner who kind of realizes, Hey, this is actually something beautiful that's working on is a woman that you have, you know, other people at the club who are, uh, you know, operating in key roles and not just kind of love interests who come and go whenever the plot lines are, you know, kind of dry in other areas of the script. Um, you know, is, is that something where, you know, that sort of, kind of merge of the two, just the sense that like treating them like two different entities, like there is women's soccer, men's soccer. Like, is that something where it's, it, it's helpful just to be able to, to grasp and say like, okay, you know, you're kind of watching, you know, different world cups, different events, what have you, or is there something where it, it, it helps kind of foster that sort of, you know, what you're calling sexism. And, and I think it is a fair term for it too, where it's that sort of bias of like, you know, I cover major league soccer is my predominant beat. So I am much more inclined to spend a weekend watching major league soccer than I'm watching the NWSL, all of their games, despite having far fewer teams. Um, mm-hmm. is, is there something where it kind of separates a bit? I know that this is way in the weeds suddenly, but um, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean. but I mean, you know, it's like, why do, why did I start supporting uh, the men's national team? It's like, well, it's my national team. Um, and they're like, oh, well, the women have a team too. Well, shit, I'm supporting them. Um, yeah. And, you know, the women's game has been growing on the club level in England a little bit too, you know, like, um, um, so like becoming more aware of like, oh, Arsenal has a women's team too. Well, if it's, if it's Arsenal, I'm into it. Um, right. Champions uh, League qualifiers pretty much every yeah. year. Yeah. yeah. And they, they're, uh, they're in, uh, they're in a quarterfinal right now. Uh, they're down one nil against Bayern. Um, That's right. Uh, full disclosure: I've not yet been to an Arsenal women's game because they had uh, they had the derby when I was out of town. That derby that drew mm. like I think they sold out the derby. That's right. That's um, right. Yeah, and they won four nothing. I think. Um, anywho, um, pretty good team. <laughs> uh, pretty good team. So, so on the one hand, it's like if we don't separate it, I don't quite know how to explain that. But like, if you if you don't separate, it, it's like U.S. soccer. Like, okay, then yeah, that's easy. Arsenal, yeah, okay, great. Um, right. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm behind it. Um, and in terms of MLS and, and NWSL, you know, it's a great question because, like, had they adopted the wrong model by trying to be their own teams, if what appears to be working is having, you know, um, you know, a women's Barcelona team, um, you know, it's just plays in the same stadium, um, at least when they sell enough tickets to, you know, um, right, right. Because, like, I'm a season ticket holder at LAFC. Um, I bought season tickets for Angel City as soon as they became available. And yeah. then I was in London for the entire first season and didn't go to a single game. Um, Ain't that the way. Yeah. But, uh, but I'll get there this year. And, but the fact that they play at the same stadium it makes them feel linked. And that made me more inclined to, uh, to do it. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if in the long run if the separation will – will help or if it'll be, you know, if it's more of a, like a, we stood on our own ground, um, you know, type of, type of thing. 
Yeah, I mean, you can see both sides, right? You can see where there's a benefit to having like a clear, like you were following this league, these players, whatever. And and sometimes there is a benefit to having that sort of connective tissue and, and not every club yeah. has it. But, you know, I think it's, it's something that inevitably is going to evolve over the next decade, um, you know, especially in the States. Uh, I think overall, I mean, Apple property, Ted Lasso, of course, they, they are investing significantly in other soccer coverage, um, you know, and, and other soccer content that they have. There's a fantastic documentary that I watched recently. I recommend for anyone about the Super League and it's very, very quick rise and fall over three days. Um, really well paced documentary. There's like a perfect talking heads needle drop halfway through one of the episodes. So that alone is pretty much safe territory to watch. Um, but also Major League Soccer, of course, is now showing live games and having its own you know, produced content uh, within it. You know, I guess in your experience with, with Apple, like, is, is that something that you see as, as kind of the future as you know, TV packages? You created commercials for NBC's coverage a decade ago and, and now um, uh, Ted Lasso, obviously, for listeners who maybe aren't familiar with those original Tottenham Hotspurs uh, advertisements. And, and now you're fast forwarding a decade and, and here we are with Apple uh, bringing domestic soccer onto its platform. I mean, it's, it's just kind of an interesting uh, trend as we get into the streaming age a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, this is stuff that's, you know, out of my area of expertise a little bit, but I think, you know, like, yes, it's all Apple TV Plus, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to run into, uh, to, uh, you know, Josh Wolf at the water cooler, uh, sure. per se, you know. Um, yeah. but, um, <clears throat> but I think it's good for the sport when you know where you can find the games that you want to watch. And, uh, and when you, if you have a moment of curiosity after you've watched your, you know, after you've watched your Colorado Rapids game, it's like, oh, well, is Portland playing Seattle next? I mean, okay, I'll check it out. You know, you might not do it if you have to sift through a whole bunch of, you know, direct TV channels. But if you just have to click over on your, on the one app, then, then you're getting into it more. Um, and, you know, clearly the production value on their, on their studio stuff is, is, is well beyond anything MLS has ever done. Uh, so that makes it look professional. Um, certainly, you know, all the clubs have such international rosters that, you know, for all these players, you know, they can now be watched easily in their home countries. I, I, it all adds up to being good. But the main thing that's good is that it's a 10-year deal. You know, like, this is a long-haul investment for Apple. And I think yeah. that, that that's the right way to do it, I guess. Let's, let's focus on the other content <laughs> while you're here on Apple's platform, which is, of course, Ted Lasso. Season three now is available on Apple TV. Um, for fans who haven't binged it yet or haven't watched it yet, haven't really caught up and, and gotten a sense of it, is there anything that you're particularly excited about, whether it's, it's something funny, something powerful, whatever the case is, that they can look forward to in this season? Um, like specifically football-related or? Oh, just in general. Something that you really enjoyed about season three. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't say too much, but uh, on, on the football tip, you know, uh, we just had season, or we just had episode two come out and we've introduced a character named Zava. Um, I think everyone will enjoy Zava, but football fans especially will enjoy Zava. Um, uh, also, without saying which ones they are, um, we, we take long visits to at least three more stadiums that Ooh. that we have not yet seen before on the show and then we have quicker hits at uh you know i think three more of that so like there's more football in this season than we've ever had in in any season um so if uh if you like <laughs> somewhat subpar football action uh then have we got the show for you <laughs> 
How did Man City get to the top of the pile, by the way? I'd always kind of wondered that. How did they get to be the Jamie Tart club in season one over Arsenal, close to your heart, Tottenham with the show's history? Just any any other club. How did you land on City? Um, they said yes. Sure. Okay, um, that works. <laughs> you know, as this fledgling show on a fledgling network, it, it was a hard sell for, for clubs to uh, say to and like we or say yes to. And like we, we could only incorporate so many teams before we had to have the involvement of the Premier League and the Premier League was not going to give us that involvement so we could do like two or three clubs individually and Crystal Palace is always going to be one yep and we wanted at least one big club and uh yeah Man City was the quickest yes so um you know we've been able to make them the the white whale uh three years running it worked out really well to be fair I think there's like for people, fans of the sport, I think that they see that as very realistic. You know, that sort of loan down, it's something that they do a lot, <laughs> an yeah. awful lot. Brendan, thank you so much for hopping on this show. Thanks, man. Pleasure. Yeah.